Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you know, when you get, especially guys, when you get some friends around you, you know, you're on your four-wheeler. This flashback into my high school days. You're on your four-wheeler, and there's this one little area that you think if you hit it just right, you might be able to get all four wheels off the ground, and enough, you know, daring and, you know, saying things about your mama and this and that, you know, get you to decide, I'm going to do it. And you just yeet your way down that hill. And I hit it one time and I thought I broke my ribs. And um, my friends decided to take me to the hospital, but we didn't tell my parents because we were afraid I'd get in trouble. And then like the nurse at the hospital went to our church and just don't try to get one over on your parents, I guess is all I can tell you. But you know what, when we say send it, you understand what we're talking about, right? Just going all out. And we've been talking, um, starting last week, about sending it, meaning taking the gospel around the world. And we've been talking about missions. But can I tell you, uh, I've gone on quite a few trips in my life. I've gone on mission trips and been able to serve God overseas. And even as a teenager, I would be raising money to do those kind of things. So I did a car wash one time. I went down at the Rite Aid down here by a, on a Route 60, and I was just you had signs that wash cars for mission trip money. And some guy rolls in and he says, I'm not giving you my money. He was really upset too. He said, we don't need to be sending our money around the world. We got people right here that need help. And he just like sped off. You know, did a burnout, you sped off. And yeah, he was a little extreme, but Maybe you've thought about that before too. You hear about like how next year, like our youth group's going to be going on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. You've heard of, of, of missionaries coming in and we raise money to be able to send them out. And you think, why are, we, why are we doing that? Because think about Huntington. Think about all the issues and all the problems that we have in our own city. So why should we as a youth group be talking about how we can take the gospel around the world when there are people at your school, when there are people in your neighborhood that need Jesus as well? Why should we be talking about missions? Well, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, kind of our... Yeah, kind of the, you know, what we're going to be talking about. And if you had boiled it all down to one sentence, it would be this. We send it. We send the gospel everywhere because God said and, not or. We're going to be looking at a passage in Acts. But we're going to zero in on Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And God tells us to take the gospel here at home and around the world. So let's, let's read it together. And I don't have any alliterated words, so I'm going to go ahead and just apologize from the outset. I don't have F words, I don't have S words, and I have P words, I don't even have C words. So, I know, I'm sorry, I, I will try to measure up to your standards next week, Kate. I'm so sorry, I apologize profusely. Um, but let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're just going to read the, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we're going to read the first eight verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, that'd be an awesome name, if I ever have a son, his name's going to be like Theophilus Xerxes McClay. That's how it's going to happen. End of discussion. I'm joking. <laughs> um, in the, my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
While they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, the Father's fixed by his own authority, but you will, and here's the verse we're zeroing in on, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what, what's, what's going on here? The book of Acts was written by, anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, who wrote the book of Acts? You did. Luke did. Not you, Luke, but the apostle Luke. Yeah. I, I thought you were raising your hand because it's like your, your name. Um, but yeah, th- uh, the apostle Luke, who was an eyewitness to Jesus, wrote the book of Acts. And Luke was a nerd. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the apostle Luke. Okay. No offense. Luke, how many of you know someone who is the most OCD, meticulous person you've ever met? How many of you know somebody like that? How many of you are that person and you're just willing to admit it? Luke was a scientist and a doctor. Can you imagine how meticulous an OCD? I mean, if I go to see a doctor, I want a meticulous doctor, right? I want an OCD doctor, right? And he was that. If you, don't, you don't, don't turn there, but if you were to go to Luke chapter one, that was the gospel that he wrote, the eyewitness account. He talks about in the first couple verses of Luke, he says, I've examined all things closely and I've investigated all of the things that Jesus have, has done and I'm providing an orderly account. So Luke, the gospel of Luke is, is like a play-by-play of everything Jesus did to the meticulous detail, especially Jesus's crucifixion. Luke's writing about all kinds. He's nerding out on all the medical like aspects of Jesus's crucifixion. Then Luke writes about how Jesus rose from the dead and then he stops. And in Acts, Luke writes like chapter two of Christianity in his detailed nerd your nerdy, orderly account. And he picks it up with Jesus being resurrected. You see in verse number um, three that he offered many proofs to people that he was alive. He appeared, we learn in other books of the Bible, to over 400 different people before he went back to heaven. Jesus died, came back to life, and appeared before over 400 people before he went back to heaven. And this is a record of the last time that Jesus appeared, resurrected, before his disciples. And it says, after Jesus said the things that he said, after verse eight, that Jesus was taken up to heaven in a cloud. So what you read in Acts chapter one, verse eight, are Jesus's last words. The last thing that he said before he went to heaven. And what he says here is something that's very important. He promises, he says, you'll receive power. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And you'll be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, that's where they were. In Judea and Samaria, that's like the surrounding country. And the end of the earth. So Jesus, his last words to his disciples are, send it. Take the gospel, take the the news of what I did, how I died for sin, and take it around the world. So what about that redneck that pulled up in a jacked up Ford truck and told me that I need to keep my money here in Huntington? How would we respond to him? We wouldn't give him any gestures. We wouldn't talk about his family ancestry. We could point him to Acts chapter one, verse eight. And I wanna give you five reasons why not just old people, but five reasons that every teen 
should send it, should be a part of taking the gospel around the world. The first is that it's not extra credit. There are two kinds of approaches to extra credit. And I found myself doing both of those when I was a student. The first is you have missing work and your teacher feels mercy on you. You know know how this works? Your teacher feels mercy on you and provides extra credit so that you don't fail. You know? There are people, and, and and you do it. Not because you want to, but because you have to. And then there are the people that you just don't like. The people that always have 100 in every class. And they do the extra credit so they can have 103. And then there are people like me that when I had a B in the class and I was feeling okay and I was going to pass, I'm like, I'm not going to do the extra credit because I don't have to do it. People approach missions almost like it's extra credit. Some people feel really bad about the things that they've done. They don't have a good understanding of the gospel and remembering that they're standing before God has nothing to do with the things that they've done, but it has everything to do with what Jesus did. So they feel like they have to earn favor with God. So they think, well, I'm going to do this kind of mission work, or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this extra credit to kind of get me back on par with God. Some people feel like, well, since it's extra credit, I feel like missions is extra credit. That's good for those like weird people that want to go above and beyond. You know, they come to missions conferences, and you know, you know, and you know, and, and we you know, we cheer for them. We're th- we're thankful for them. They go and they do that because so that way I don't have to. Like, I give money, I tithe, I give to faith promise, I support missionaries, so I don't have to be a part of actually going. That's kind of extra credit. It's optional. But look at what Jesus said here. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. So he sent, talking to these 12 apostles, and maybe also some of the other people who were hanging around Jesus. There could have been up to 120 people in this audience. He says, I want you to take the gospel around the world. But this isn't the only place that Jesus said it. I was, uh, when I was in college, I went to Liberty University, and we had a chancellor. He was a big old guy named Jerry Fowler, and he had this big voice. And he said something about the Bible and about God's commands. He says, if God says it once in the Bible, that's enough right? If God says it, we should do it. It's a command. We should obey God. If he says it once, it's enough. If he says it twice, it's emphatic. Like, it's emphasized. If he says it three times, he's trying to get your attention. And if God says something four times, a command four times, you better stand and salute (laughs) because it's very important. Can I show you, and I've got it on the next slide there, Drew. Uh, apologize, Drew, ahead of time. I've got a million slides. But this isn't the only time that Jesus gave this command. All four Gospels have a variation of this command. So this wasn't one statement that Jesus gave. Most scholars believe that Jesus almost preached like a whole sermon on the fact that disciples need to go around the world and tell people about Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we just read that one, but Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20, Jesus told the disciples to make disciples Of all nations. Mark chapter 16 verse 15. Jesus told them to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke chapter 24 verse 47. Jesus said repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations. And in John chapter 20 verse 21. Jesus says as the father has sent me. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. As the father has sent me so I'm sending you. These were all in the same sermon, the same time Jesus was on this mountainside, the last sermon he preached before he went back up to heaven. 
So remember we said, if Jesus says it once, that's enough. We should obey it. But if Jesus says it twice, he's emphasizing it. It's emphatic. If Jesus says it three times, he's trying to get your attention. If Jesus says it four times, you better stand, salute, and do it right now. He actually says it five times. And my college president never told me what to do with something that Jesus says five times, but I, you know, I bet I darn sure better do it, right? Like this is a command. This is not extra credit. Are you following me? Like you picking up what I'm putting down? This is not like something you get to choose to do. Like, mm, I don't think I'll do that. You know, I, I think I'll like, you know, you know, do the whole like, you know, help out with trunk or treat. Um, but I don't know if I want to, you know, be part of taking the gospel across the world. It's not extra credit. The next reason that every teen should send it is because there's no other way. Look down in verse 8. It says, you will be my witnesses. What do you think of when you think of the word witness? I think of like a TV show where somebody's like on the stand. And there's a lawyer like cross-examining. And they're giving the facts, right? Witnesses don't give opinions. Like if your teacher asks you what happened in the hallway when nobody else was watching, they don't want your opinion. They don't want to say, oh, I think she's just a big old jerk. They want to know, did she hit her? Like, like did, 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 she, did, did she talk bad about her? Do you, they want the facts, what were the facts that the disciples were supposed to, to share? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 3, we learn the facts of the gospel, the three important facts that everybody needs to know. First, it says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus was a sacrificial death for our sins. We've all sinned, we've all, we all deserve death, but Jesus took that death in our place, right? So that we don't have to die, we can live forever with him. That Christ um, died according to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures, and that he appeared before many other people. So the, the disciples were supposed to be witnesses to others about what they saw. That, I, that Jesus, who claimed to be able to forgive sin, was killed, he took our sin to the grave, and he rose again. And those are the facts. Well, why were those facts so important? It's because that's the only way that people can be saved. You know, there are people on the other side of the world, they're putting their faith in the five pillars of Islam. There are people that are across the world, and they're putting their faith in that if they, if they do good, they can be reincarnated in this next state, and this next state, and this next state, and maybe they can achieve this like ethereal bliss, whatever that means. There are people that don't know the gospel, but the gospel is the only way. The reason we're supposed to take it across the world is because there's no other way that people can be saved. There's no other way that people can escape eternal punishment in hell unless they hear this news. You're a little, most of you are too young to remember it. Some of our, our, our younger leaders probably remember this lady named Sweet Brown. She's the one that came up with the, the, yeah, with the term, ain't nobody got time for that. She said, I got the laryngitis. Ain't nobody got time. Because you, you know when the news is, is interviewing someone, especially in West Virginia, they always find like Aunt Edna, who has like two teeth, She's in her muumuu or in her PJs, and you can barely understand what she's saying. And she's on national news, and they're like, this happened in Huntington, West Virginia, right? Because she's the eyewitness. There's no other way for people to come to know Jesus and to be saved to eternal life other than these witnesses who we are now. The word witness is actually the word um, martos, which we eventually got the word martyr from. 
Why is it? It's because that word was tied into people who gave their lives, who were killed, executed, because they wouldn't shut up about witnessing for Jesus. One of the earliest martyrs, his name was Polycarp. Sounds like something you catch at Beach Fork, but it's not. It was a name. Um, his name was Polycarp, and they, 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 they gave him multiple opportunities to renounce his faith. And he said this, four score and six years have I served him. He has done me no injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? And from that point on, people who were witnesses of Jesus, who were killed for their faith, were referred to as Martyrs. Why did they give their life? It's because this message was the only way that people could be saved. The next reason that every teen should send it, and this is probably the most, to me, the most serious one and the, the, like the deepest hitting one, because no one should have to die without hearing about Jesus. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Like I said, that was the city they were in. In Judea and Samaria, that was their nation. Into the ends of the earth. Does that mean like they were flat earth people, like the ends of the earth, like you fall off? No, that word end was the word eschaton, which is where we get like eschatology, study of end times. And what that means is like until it's over, until the last person hears. So what he's saying is you shall be my witness in your hometown, in your country, and until the last person on the face of the earth hears the gospel. So how are we doing with that? We know our Jerusalem, right? It's like the Huntington Tri-State area. Maybe into Putnam County for you, Hurricaneans, whatever you refer to yourself as. Um, we know what our Judea and Samaria are, right? Our nation. And we know, <laughs> we know we're supposed to take it at the end of the earth. How are we doing with that? Here's some facts that may surprise you. There are 7.75 billion people on the earth today. I think I've got all these on my slides, uh, Drew. 7.75 billion people in the world today, and of those people, 3.23 billion, almost half of them, live in what we call an unreached people group. When Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, he wasn't talking about, okay, like, like, like go to this country and this country and this country. The word for nations, he actually said the word ethnos, which means ethnic group. An ethnic group are people that are of the same race or speak the same language or have excuse me, the same like cultural heritage. So 3.23 billion people in the world have never heard the good news about Jesus. That's almost half. Another statistic that's just to me almost mind-blowing is that there are 17,446 unique people groups in the world and over 7,400 of them are unreached, meaning they've never had the gospel shared in their native tongue or in their native hometown. The gospel has never been preached in their area. And of those, of those people groups, there's, a, there's an area called the 1040 window. And that's the next slide. Has anybody ever heard of the 1040 window? Anybody? If you ever, I'm not a big map guy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not big into cartography. It's not my thing. But there's, there are lines of longitude and latitude. You know, the, like the lines? But, there you go. Between, between the, the 10 degrees, say it again, Kennedy? Longitude. longitude. Yeah, there. Longitude and 40 degrees longitude on the eastern hemisphere, eastern side of the, of the world. There's this area. See it right here? This area? Inside this area, it contains 85% of unreached people. Isn't that wild? 
that of all the people that have never heard the gospel, 85% of them, most of them, almost all of them are in this square right here. But here's the, maybe the saddest thing, is that of those 80, uh, in this area that contains 85% of the people that we need to reach, less than 10%, sorry, Hudson, less than 10%, I don't put a hole in the wall, but you know what happens on Gore Games. Anything. Less than 10% of missionary work happens in this area. Isn't that mind-blowing to think about? The need that's represented here. Why? It's because most of these areas is hostile to Christianity. Most of these areas, um, there's a lot of war going on, a political upheaval. So 85% of the people we need to reach are right in this area, but only 10% of ministry work is done here. You know, Romans 1 tells us that without the gospel, people who don't hear the gospel, they're lost. What does God think about that? Does he say, oh, stinks to be them, you know, <laughs> too bad. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says that God is patient and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You wanna know what the will of God is? The will of God is that every person on this earth has a chance to respond to the gospel. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, says that when Jesus died, it says he died as an atoning sacrifice, not just for our sins, meaning people who already currently believe in Jesus. He didn't just die to atone for the sins of those of us who have already believed, but he died for the sins of the entire world. That means of those 7.75 billion people that walk around the world, none of them Jesus didn't die for. He died for every single one of them but they haven't been able to have the chance to hear the gospel. Isn't it sad that in many ways we pick and choose who gets to hear the gospel? 178,000 people every day die without hearing about Jesus. That's why we have to send it. Got really quiet. The reason number four Maybe a picture of Bernie will liven you up. Reason number four, <laughs> we need to send it is because we don't set God's agenda. There are a lot of people, I was a political science major in high school, but there are a lot of people that get way more excited about COVID stuff, about political stuff, than about getting the gospel around the world. And that's not a new thing. You see what the disciples asked Jesus? They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, the these were all Israelite people, Jewish people, and for the longest time, they were wanting to revolt against the Roman oppression. These are people that had been conquered by uh, the Babylonians, that had been caught, yeah, then, they were, then they were controlled um, by the Persians, and then they were controlled by yeah, the, the Medes and the Persians, and, and then they were controlled by the Seleucids, and then yeah, they were controlled by the Greeks, and then Rome came and took over, and they were controlled by the Romans, and they, were, they wanted to be their own country again. They wanted political independence, and they thought, ah, Jesus died. He came back to life. He's balling. He's big. He's bad. He's going to come kick these Romans the heck out of our country. Now that sounded like a political speech, didn't it? And they said, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. It's a nice way of Jesus saying it's none of your business. It's an A and B conversation. You need to see your way out. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You know, I had my own agenda when I went on my first mission trip. I wanted adventure. 
I wanted to see the world. And you know what I hated more than anything else? Kids. Kids always had like the snot around their nose. I know, I'm a, I was a terrible teenager, okay? You, they, have, they have the snot around their nose. They're just always whining about something. I've obviously changed my mind since then. Always whining about something. And I thought, you know, hey, we're going to go to the Dominican Republic. We're going to like see the beach. We're going to see all these cool things. And you know the first place we went when we went to the Dominican Republic? An orphanage. And you know how many kids were in that orphanage? There were 120 kids and two adults. And it was just two adults that ran that orphanage. And as we were coming in, the kids just wanted to be picked up and held and picked up and hugged. So as you can imagine, I was like the last one going into that orphanage because I don't like kids. I don't want to. So kid reaches up to the first, you know, the first, your first person. She picks him up, walks him in, and they play and finally get to the final line. And I'm just thinking, maybe I can just kind of keep a low profile and walk right on by. And this little kid comes up to me like this. He got no pants on. I'm not kidding. He got no pants on. And he's going like this, and I'm thinking, maybe I can just kind of sneak this way. My youth pastor's behind me. He's like, Matt, you going to pick that kid up or what? So I'm like, kind of like going like this, like, you know, trying not to like touch his butt cheeks, you know. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and and I, I realized that he is number twoed, and nobody's cleaned him up. And I'm like picking him up, and I held him. And he held on to my neck harder than I've ever been held on before in my life. And it was at that moment that God reminded me that it's not about my agenda. That's a picture of me and the kid, by the way. That's a, it's not about my agenda. It's about a kid who doesn't have parents. It's about a kid who's being raised with 120 other kids who's never going to get to hear the gospel. You know, I held that kid the rest of the time I was there for an hour and a half. He never let go of me. I never let go of him. And when I had to put him down and I had to leave and I knew I'd never see that kid again, I'll just be honest, I was a ninth grader going into 10th grader. I sat in the back of the bus and like I pulled my shirt up over my head, you know, and I bawled my eyes out. I don't want anybody else to see it, but I bawled my eyes out because I realized that I needed to die to my agenda and pick up God's agenda. The final reason that every teen should send it is because even though we live in a dollar store world, we serve a Gucci God. That may, I don't know if that's over the top, but I was trying to find a way to describe it. You know what it's like to walk in the dollar store. And then you know what it's like to walk into Gucci Kroger. See what I'm talking about? We live in a world where everything is rationed. Even last year, the toilet paper was rationed. And if you turn on the Chicken Noodle Network or you turn on Fox News, you turn on MSNBC, it's always about what money is going to go to this person and what vaccines are going to go over here and who's going to get this and who's going to get that because everybody has limited resources and we're trying to figure out the, the best way or the most political way to distribute it all. That's not how God works. You think about this? We have limited time, but God doesn't. We have limited money, but God doesn't. We have limited power, but God doesn't. And when we serve him, there are no such thing as limitations. That's not just me talking it up. That's what God says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. A couple days later, those disciples received power, and they were sharing the gospel in a language they had never spoken before in their lives. They received power, and a guy named Peter, who was always scared of what other people thought, 
stood in front of thousands of people and preached the gospel, and over 2,000 received Jesus as their Savior. So we think about, I'd like to go on that mission trip, but I don't know if I can raise the money. You don't have to raise the money. Yeah, that's, that, that, I'm not trying to sound, I don't, don't want to say it the wrong way, but that's not your problem. That's God's problem, and for God, it's not even a problem, Right? You, you're afraid that you, if you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, you're not going to know what to say. That's not your problem. That's God's problem. And for God, that's not a problem. He will supply you with the words. He even supplied the disciples with the language. You see what I mean? We think about our limitations. We think about what we can and can't do. We think about, well, I have to, if I only have this much time, maybe I should just devote my time to my local community and forget missions. You serve a God that's not bound by time. I don't have time to ask these questions, but I think I've got them on the screen, so I'm going to put them on the screen here for just a couple minutes. I had somebody ask me this, to write these questions out and answer them, and it would give me direction for my life, and I wrote those questions out, and I answered them, and then I tucked them away, and I didn't even reconsider those questions until years later um, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart, and the Holy Spirit sounds kind of like a five-foot-four um, woman that I live with sometimes, um, but... What would you do if you thought you might succeed? If you just had a chance at succeeding for God, what would you do? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And finally, what sacrifices are you willing to make to see it happen? I'm gonna put those questions back on the screen when we dismiss, but we gotta, we gotta keep going. Here's the point. God didn't say or. God said and. God gives each of us the responsibility to take the gospel to our local community and around the world. So how do we apply it? I've got three minutes and I've got three points, so I'm going to do a minute on each, okay? Here we go. The first is think locally. Think locally. I uh, sometimes go, this is a very country thing to do probably, or redneck thing. I go deer spotting. Anybody else ever go out deer spotting at night? You get that, you know, five million candle power flashlight, and you, you, you look for the big bucks. And you, have, you know, have you ever shined that thing directly in your face? Anybody ever done that? I've done it. I'll I'll admit. It is so bright, I couldn't see for like five minutes. It was a stupid thing to do. I don't blind the deer when I do that. I mean, you know, when I turn it away, they're fine. Because the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. You see what, you picking up what I'm putting down? If you want to if, if get a heart for missions around the world, get involved in missions here. Hey, you got some great opportunities. I wrote down a few opportunities that you have like within the next month. Trunk or treat. You're not just creepers in a white van giving candy to kids. You're opening the door for the gospel because they will be given the gospel that night. I was called, I was reached out to, I didn't even get to tell you for this, by um, a guy that some of y'all may know. Um, his name is Billy Seals. Um, and uh, they, we used to be doing, we used to, you know, they used to come and we used to do dinner for the football team every year and be, they canceled because of COVID. But he said, a lot of my players have been talking about the Thanksgiving spread that you guys put on um, in November when they come. We haven't been doing COVID meals, but you think, uh, he, you think you guys might be able to pull it off? He said, I don't, he said, I don't know if we can do it, but you think you guys might be able to pull it off if we're allowed to do it? I said, absolutely. We may have that opportunity in a couple weeks to share the gospel with the football team. Another thing that has just been presented to me is Pastor Lemming really wants us to start doing youth things, youth group at Ebenezer every once in a while. Um, down where we had the backpack VBS. We're gonna have an opportunity to do that maybe in a few months. There are ways that we can get involved right here, right now 
and develop a heart for the world. So think locally. The next is think bigger. We're going to be taking a short-term mission trip in the summer to Dominican Republic. Start praying about whether God would have you to be on that team. We can support missionaries that we, yeah, that we support as, as a church. Most of the missionaries that, that I've corresponded with or that I've spoken with said that COVID has been absolutely terrible for their mental health and for their level of encouragement because you know how hard it was here being isolated? Imagine being around the world, halfway around the world, already isolated, but isolated even more. We can support missionaries. We can encourage them. We can raise awareness I mean, you guys raise awareness about, I mean, I, I love it, but you guys find the most obscure things to raise awareness about. Like, you, 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 you find ways to, like, international broken left toe day. And it's like everybody's, like, you know, posting a ribbon or posting a color. How many people, how many Christian teenagers know the facts that we just shared tonight about the 1040 window? So many people listen to you, whether you realize it or not. You can raise awareness about the need for missions. And there's this other thing that's going on that's just crazy. There are political refugees, especially a lot from Afghanistan, a lot from Pakistan, that are being brought over to the U.S. because I'm not going to get into the whole Afghanistan thing. What a mess. But they're, they're being brought to the United States. And I was really kind of sad when I saw that there are people that are protesting those people being brought to the United States. And I get there are political reasons for that. But have you ever thought about the fact that God is bringing people from areas that we can't reach to us and that we can reach them. Um, I think it was probably just April and I. Haley was with us when we went to Las Vegas and we were um, on a refugee camp um, and working with someone who reached out to, to, to refugees. You know, God, I, I, sometimes I wonder if because we're not obeying the Great Commission, God's bringing the Great Commission to us. And we may have the opportunity here soon. If they come to West Virginia, you know what we're going to be doing as a youth group? I think you know, don't you? Then the final one, think even bigger. We're going to go home with this one. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if God calls a church planting missionary out of our own youth group. If God calls someone who, whose heart is just wrecked by the need for the gospel around the world and God picks a teenager out of our youth group and puts them somewhere where there needs to be a gospel witness. And God may be calling you to do that. Have you ever thought about that? Have you opened yourself up to that? Have you ever thought about your career track and thought about how it could be used to send it, to take the gospel around the world. We have teams of doctors that go down to Haiti and deliver babies at Double Harvest Hospital. You could be doing that. We have people who are teachers, educators, and they go down to the Dominican Republic and teach in Palms Christian School for two years, three years. There are people who are construction workers out of our church who God has called to help build churches and orphanages and places where the gospel can be shared. Have you ever thought about how your career tract will enable you to send it? Think even bigger. So we need to get out of here. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Oh God, the need is huge. And Lord, I... I confess that I haven't shared it as often as I should have. Uh, Lord, it's almost overwhelming to think about the 3.23 billion people that have never heard how they can be made right with God. 
But God, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. Uh, You are the God that has all the resources that could ever be needed to take the gospel around the world. Um, God, I pray that we will submit our lives as one of those resources, as an instrument that you'll use to take the gospel around the world. So God, I pray for our trunk retreat in two weeks. Um, God, that kids and even parents bringing their kids will hear the gospel and respond to be saved. God, I pray for the outreaches that we're trying to get started with the football team and at Ebenezer and, 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 and for the, the mission trip that we have planned for next summer and all the, all the ways that we can be involved. God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to say yes, that we'll put our yes on the table. We'll write you a blank check with our lives that you can use however you want. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.